Hi, I'm Naomi May. I'm a writer and fashion editor, and I am so excited to be joined by the amazing Belle Jacobs, who is a writer, speaker, and campaigner on climate justice, animal rights, and new fashion systems. Belle, welcome to the Sat Cold podcast. Um, you started as Metro shopping editor in 1999. Um, what was that like in the kind of pre-internet era? And how did that change by the time you left in 2013? Um, yeah, so, so when I first joined, of course, it felt very, very exciting. And Metro was new and it was free and we, we knew we had a huge reach. Also a bit of an experiment. Um, and it felt, you know... Fun, you know, from sitting at the desk in 1999 and having quite a simple and fairly relaxed life mm. to this thing where there was all this stuff coming away, there was all these invitations coming my way, there were all these, uh, we want to meet you, we want our stuff on your page, we want to take you to different countries. It was just an acceleration not only of the number of goods that there are out there, but this culture of trying to make each of those goods desirable in some way, trying to make each of those goods necessary in some way which on one hand is, was lots of fun, but on the other hand, and now I see from my perspective as a climate justice advocate, was skewing us away mm -hmm. from true values mm -hmm. of perhaps valuing nature, valuing community, mm -hmm. and, and skewing them values away from, from what I think are wholesome, right things to care about. Mm -hmm. So I know that the Rana Plaza disaster of 2013 was a large reason as to why you left the fashion industry. Can you explain a little bit about what that light bulb moment was like for you? How you kind of had that realisation that you needed to leave? Yeah. So Rana Plaza actually is something I talk about a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I try and mention it in every talk that I do mm -hmm. because it was a fundamental wake-up call for the entire industry. And like you know, 1,134 garment workers lost their lives. Later on, we realised that most of these were young women trying to support their families. Mm -hmm. um, we, we later found out, for example, that they didn't want to go into the factory. They knew it was falling down, but they were being compelled to almost threatened really to go to, to, to keep doing their jobs despite mm. quite apparent physical problems with that building because of the force of the industry driving mm. um, their employment. And I think I probably wouldn't have reacted as strongly as I did to Rana Plaza if there had not been an underlying and growing discomfort with the way the industry was progressing anyway. But when Rana Plaza happened, and we are in the time of social media, mm. And the images came out across mm. the world and the stories came out across the world. Mm. And it was a moment where not just me, but a lot of other people must have thought, did think, mm -hmm. this industry is not innocent. Yeah. This is having a terrible impact on people who have no other options. Mm. In the pictures of the rubble, you could see, you know, not only the people who died, but also the labels that they were making the clothes for. Some of them are very well known. Mm -hmm. And some of them were labels I'd written about. Mm -hmm. And I just felt so uncomfortable. I didn't see how I could take action in the role that I was in. Mm -hmm. I had to leave. I know that you were part of Extinction Rebellion um, when you tried to boycott London Fashion Week and you had a funeral march during Fashion Week. What, what do you think the future of Fashion Week is? I mean, what does the future look like if we're imploring brands to be more sustainable and conscious? When we held the 
funeral march in front of the British Fashion Council. Mm. Something that people don't often know is that we actually talked to the British Fashion Council about doing this. And they said, they were so brilliant. They said, do it because we need to have these conversations. And that's amazing. Yeah, it is actually. London Fashion Week is a place where we need to talk about these things. So we held our fashion funeral and we would like to see an end to the fashion weeks. Yeah. And God, Naomi, it's so difficult to say that because of course, like you, you know, I remember these times as being really exciting, fun times, but it's just, again, coming back to that point, they are driving consumption. They're driving the idea of the new, they're driving the idea of the new item as, a, as, a, as an object of status. It's, the values are not at the moment consistent with what we need to see if we want to address the climate emergency. So we did hold this fashion funeral and it was amazing, mm -hmm. you know, and we had the fashion crowds dressed up to the nines mm -hmm. in funeral gear coming, we, you know, and we were amazed by that support actually, mm -hmm. that obviously people within the fashion industry were starting to question the process. Mm -hmm. What do I think the future is? I think it's slowly, slowly coming. I know, for example, that a lot of... Um, different justice groups are starting to galvanize around mm. the fashion week. So I know, for example, in September, different groups are starting to go, okay, this could be a platform for us to talk about workers' mm. rights, ecological, ecological justice, um, animal rights. Mm. We're going to use this mass gathering of people mm. to go, there are issues here. But I also know that the British Fashion Council itself are, are, are talking with a group about having a huge upcycling area. Yeah. So they know they need to change. Yeah. We know they need to change. We are in a changing world. Mm -hmm. What role does a fashion week have in that mm -hmm. that makes it less jarring? And I know that you're involved in lots of different non-profits that are doing really amazing work to combat the climate emergency. Can you run me through them and tell me a little bit about them? Yeah, so like I said, my career's gone into lots of different ways. Uh, one of the things that I really wanted to do uh, uh, was talk to young people about this industry. So I had the Fashion in Schools project where I go into secondary schools and I talk to them about the fashion industry in... Um, in ways in which I think they need to know about. Mm -hmm. So for example, recently in the last school I went into in East London, we were looking at the supply chain from a global north, global south perspective and, and looking at it from this idea that these colonial pathways are being replicated in the fashion industry mm -hmm. today and and Again, I'm going to sound very harsh, but I think it's not inaccurate how racist some of the underpinnings of the fashion industry are, mm -hmm. that we are getting people in poorer countries mm -hmm. to make clothes for people in the global north, and then we're encouraging people in the global north to not value those clothes, not value the, the fibres that they were grown from or the, the peoples who have made them. Mm -hmm. And then when they're chucked away, they're often chucked back to the global south, where they then pollute the lands. Um, and, and we're hearing all sorts of news stories. I think the news stories came out really recently, or this report by Changing Markets Foundation, where, where items of clothing are being shipped, sort of, you know, they're donated to charity shops, and then they're shipped something like 15,000 miles uh, to be dumped back into other countries. And I, you know, and I, I know for a fact, for example, that the hosts of this podcast are not doing that. So please, you know, find the charities that aren't doing that, but unfortunately a lot are. Mm -hmm. And so these stories 
I think students need to know about. We need to galvanise. I, I find young people are incredibly aware of injustices once they're brought to light. Mm -hmm. And they want to do something about it and they want to redress. So what's the easiest way for people who are looking to engage in this conversation to get involved? What, what are some tips that you'd give them? Mm. Got quite a few tips. Is that Go okay? on, give <laughs> okay. me all the tips. Okay, the number one thing is you've got to get informed. Mm -hmm. You've got to get informed. No one is going to put, no one is going to change their behaviours mm -hmm. fast enough unless they know what's, what impact their behaviour is having. Mm -hmm. um, you, and that's going to be hard, mm -hmm. okay, because the news is hard. Mm -hmm. um, but we are not going to make the right changes unless we know what we're tackling, as I've said. Mm -hmm. My first recommendation to anyone, and I'm sorry I've, I've gone a bit off piece, is, is genuinely reduce the amount of meat you're eating. Mm -hmm. So I know that's not a fashion answer, mm -hmm. but it is one of the most impactful things an individual can do. When you look at the impact of the meat industry on land use, on losing nature, mm -hmm. on species extermination, on water use, mm -hmm. on social inadequacy, on animal cruelty. Mm -hmm. The list is endless. Mm -hmm. So three times a day, if you make a choice for a better, uh, you know, a more climate friendly uh, meal, it's going to be vegetables. Mm -hmm. There's no way you can get around this. Mm -hmm. um, buy less. For us in the Global North, we've got to stop uh, purchasing so much stuff. Mm -hmm. We've got to learn to use what we have already mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. So upcycling, recycling, they're all fantastic. Mm -hmm. If you do have to buy new, and many people do, choose as responsibly as you can. Again, you're not going to know which is a responsible choice unless you educate yourself. Amazing. Belle, thank you so much for joining us on the SACCOL podcast. Thank you.